Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Coming up next on the Liverboard Sailing Podcast. I love learning and I love being able to fix something on the engine when it breaks. And five years ago, I could never do that. And I think that it really, sailing and cruising and living aboard really brings out a way to, I guess, better yourself, but just to be able to challenge yourself and um, try new things. So um, it's not all hard, but there's definitely a lot of hard moments. Welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Annika. On the Liverbird Sailing Podcast, I chat with awesome people who live, work, and travel on their sailboats. My guests are sharing inspiring stories and real-life advice about the lifestyle so that you and I can be better prepared for our sailing adventures. I have sometimes wondered if the kids who go cruising with their parents end up embracing the lifestyle themselves, and today I talked to someone who did go sailing with her parents and who now has her own boat and cruising plans, Kayleen Vanderee. Kayleen shares her journey of progressing from one boat to another and how her current boat, a Tartan 42, matches her lifestyle, cruising plans, and also offers a better home for her partner who had a major accident that required them to upgrade to a bigger boat. We also talk how Kayleen did a career change to fit the traveling lifestyle, making the liveaboard lifestyle sustainable in the long term. This interview is full of good tips for anyone who is thinking about the liveaboard lifestyle and all that comes with it. Now here we go with Kayleen Vanderee. So Kayleen, I know you're not new to sailing, so can you tell me a little bit about your history with sailing? Where did it all start for you? Yeah, it's funny because sometimes I do feel like I'm new to sailing, um, but I actually did grow up on the BC coast here and my parents have had boats my whole life. It really, I started off in little sabots and little 
dinghies that we mucked about in. And then when I turned 11, my parents bought a 51 Formosa and started fixing it up. And that was my introduction to sailing, really, like a true sailboat. And we sailed to Mexico when I was 15. So that really created a foundation of this lifestyle for me. But it wasn't really until I was in my mid-20s that I realized that that was what I wanted to do in my life as well, not just with my parents. So then I had to learn it kind of really from the beginning by myself. My parents weren't there um, every step of the way. So I I do feel like a beginner in some regards too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's uh, always a lot to learn in this lifestyle from what I've heard. But kudos to your parents for taking you out to sailing and, you know, taking themselves out to sailing and, and bringing the kid with, with them because that's a great experience to have when you're a 15 year old. Oh, yeah. My, my sister and I learned so much and it's really kind of shaped who we are now today. So I'm very grateful for it. Yeah, for sure. And I also saw on your Instagram that you've sailed to Hawaii from Victoria, BC uh, with your dad because it was always your dream to do it. So that's wonderful. Can you tell me about that trip? How was that? Yeah, that was five years ago now. And it, it kind of started as kind of after university and started working a little bit. And I realized that I had this itch to get back on the water again. And I told my dad, I was like, I'm going to sail to the South Pacific. It was when I first kind of started reading about Liz Clark. I followed her on her journey, right, basically from when she was in Mexico. And it's like, I've got to do this as well. And he's like, you know, I know you can, but you're not ready for that now. He's like, you, you need to you know, put in some time before you can go sailing off to the South Pacific. So um, kind of a complicated deal. Um, my dad ended up was trying to sell their Formosa boat. This guy was trying to buy it. All of a sudden, my dad ended up with two boats, um, an Islander 34. And that's what we sailed to Hawaii on. He just called me one day and was like, I got a boat for free. Uh, do you want to do you want to sail with me? And my parents absolutely love sailing. They go up and down the BC coast every summer, but my mom's not super keen on crossing oceans. And it's something my dad's always wanted to do. So we use that as an opportunity to um, sail together. And I tried to learn as much as I could from him in that trip. And um, when we got back from Hawaii, we sailed there and back in over the course of three months. He offered me that boat so that I could buy that boat from him, but I just still didn't feel ready. So um, that was five years ago now, and now I'm on my third boat. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, that's a really interesting uh, way to get to sailing. And uh, I love that your dad has sort of um, fed your interest in this adventure and sailing lifestyle. That's really nice. But how did you then end up living on a boat? Did you end up taking your dad up on that offer or no? No, I didn't buy the boat from him. I just got out of university. I had no money. I didn't even really know. I had just gotten a job, I believe, while I was in Hawaii. I was trying to set up job interviews for when I was back. And I didn't really feel like I was ready to own my own boat after seeing what it took for my dad to maintain that 34-foot boat. So. Um, it was about, 
I was working for an ecotourism, a marine company, actually, that operated vessels, surrounded by a wealth of knowledge of mariners, and of course, my dad as well. And then it was about a year of working in that job. I ended up moving. This was in Victoria, so the capital of British Columbia. I ended up moving like four different times in a year, and I was getting so frustrated of not being in control, but I couldn't afford my own house to live in. So I ended up looking at boats and decided that I, if I started with a, a small boat, a simple sailboat, that that could be where I, where I learned on. And um, that's what I ended up doing. I think I, I bought the first boat for just $11,000 and found some moorage in Victoria and lived on it full time. And how small uh, was that first boat? It was a North Star um, 1000, which is 30 feet. So it's a huge design, which those are Ontario built, actually. But it has quite a pinched bow. So really, it felt smaller than that. It's quite a, a narrow boat and um, great sailor, but a light boat, not really a blue water boat by traditional standards. So now, four years later, you're on your third boat. What's up with that? I ended up getting the North Star 1000, and that was my, what I felt was like my beginner boat, my training wheels boat. It was pretty simple setup. Um, I learned a lot, but it was quite narrow and pinched bow, and it felt a lot smaller than the 30 feet that it was. And when you're living full time throughout the winter, it was great for me, but I did end up meeting my boyfriend that year, that same year that I bought the boat. And he is a big dude. He's six foot two with really broad shoulders. And he ended up a few months after I bought the boat, actually, he got in a very major accident and lost both of his legs below the knee. He ended up shattering his pelvis and um, smashing himself up really good. Um, so we were kind of looking for a boat after that. It was still my boat but I wanted to get something that we could both comfortably fit on. And that was Spray, which was a Jason 35. And that I bought almost, not quite a year after the first boat. It was like 10 months later. I knew that I did in fact want a blue water boat and something tougher and for both of us. So that one, I put a lot of love into. I ended up pulling it out into my parents' yard for 10 months and did a major refit on it. It was a great boat. We took it up and down the inside passage here. And um, after living on it for about a year and kind of figuring out what Tyler's capabilities are as a sailor and just as a liveaboard, we determined that it just wasn't going to work with basically with his prosthetics because he doesn't have ankle flexion. So it really came down to he couldn't comfortably stand up inside um, because it killed his back um, with his back injuries. So we were like, okay, if we want to actually sail away and live aboard full time, we need to find a boat that works for both of us, that we're both super invested in, that's ours together, not just my boat. And that's what we did. We found um, the Tartan 42 that we're on now. And it's equally both of our boats but it is this is my passion it's just he's 
now join me on this sailing journey as well. Yeah, and Tyler has done a really great video on your YouTube channel where he sort of explains and shows what life is like on board uh, your boat now as a double amputee. And I definitely recommend everybody go check that out because it's a really uh, eye-opening one for sure. Is uh, Does Tyler have a lot of sailing experience or is he sort of new to sailing? He is new to sailing. Um, and sorry he couldn't be here today, but I will do my best to share what he usually says anyways, but... He actually grew up in Saskatchewan, so for those who don't know Canada, that's the middle of nowhere in the middle of the country, <laughs> um, so flat land, but he did grow up around a lot of lakes and did a little bit of, I'm not sure if it was Hobie Cats or Lasers or some sort of small boat rip, ripping around on, on lakes, so he has some basic knowledge of sailing, but he also comes from an uh, extreme sport background of, he's a a skydiver, a wingsuiter, uh, understands wind patterns really well, understands how to harness wind, and then um, just a general adventurer. He spent a lot of time growing up in the mountains as well, and that really has paired, that's paired really well. Oh, and whitewater uh, raft guide as well, so understanding currents and and tides and stuff has really helped his knowledge as a navigator and sailor so it's been really neat over the last we've been together four years now four years watching him grow as a sailor and I'd say he's often even better than I am sometimes um, as far as understanding the overall picture of what we need to do with the boat which is really neat yeah you guys are both super adventurous and i will link both of your instagram accounts or all your instagram accounts uh, in the description so anybody can go and follow your adventures because that is literally what you guys do it's it's all about adventure it's just love that yeah well we live in such a beautiful province and there's so much potential it's wild and remote and Having a boat means we can access some really cool places that just wouldn't dream of getting to other than in a helicopter, I guess. So, yeah, it's been a, a really great way to, to adventure together as well in a way that's accessible and he's able to join and um, be in comfort here. I wanted to ask about your boat because obviously that's quite a big of a jump from 35 feet to 42. Knowing everything that you now know about living on a 42-foot boat, would you just jump straight into it? I definitely wouldn't have jumped straight into it. It's as much as it feels silly to say I've owned three boats in the last four years, I, I think it was the right steps. The only thing I somewhat not really regret but I guess reflect on is that it's really slowed down my goal of sailing south because we keep having to do the same projects to each boat and that's just an inevitable when you have our budget of buying 40 year old boats yeah it's it's definitely slowed down that process but it's also allowed me to really grow my knowledge as I grow the size and um, complexity of each boat and what it brings. So um, super happy with what we ended up with, but it was kind of funny because we bought this boat last June, so just over a year ago now, and it was just after the pandemic started and people were starting to really get into buying boats. So things were moving really quickly, and I actually sold 
the 30 Jason 35 in four days after listing for, for full asking price and then ended up buying this boat on the spot without a survey because boats were just disappearing so quickly and we had set a range we knew we wanted a bit bigger of a boat from the 35 and we said anywhere between 35 and 42 as long as he can stand up in it and it meets our general requirements that we had listed out so we didn't really have too much choice on the west coast here because boats were disappearing so quickly and um this tartan popped up in vancouver and we got over there in a couple days later and snagged it up as fast as we could so in addition to the uh headroom and just having a more spacious boat what do you like about the tartan specifically or is there anything that you don't like (laughs) again asking from a point of view of somebody who may or may not have looked at a few tartans on your world yeah definitely um The tartans are supposedly built really well. And that's one of those things you read online that I've still, I'm not sure if I fully believe it yet. I haven't really, we haven't put this boat through the, I don't feel like we've put it through the test yet because we haven't taken it offshore. But the one thing I'm really trying to adjust my train of thought is I really wanted a full keel boat and spray was a full keel boat. This one isn't, and that was one of the things that I had to compromise on, but it does make it a fantastic sailor, and there's a lot of thought into how the boat is run on top, all the rigging and the running rigging as well, how the cockpit set up is just really works really well for us. The interior, it is a really beautiful layout, and all the details inside the boat are obviously really well thought through, um, but... Of course, every boat has its little quirks, and we've definitely come to find a few, but nothing nothing crazy, nothing too weird. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a few now. Oh, I, I found that this boat in particular, of course, the Tartans have a whole bunch of different lines. They've been making boats for, for years and years now, and this was the Tartan 42, for those of you don't, who don't know, was based off of their Tartan 41, which is an IOR boat. So it was built to the standards of the racing standards. And back in the 70s and 80s, a lot of the cruising boats were built to those same racing standards, the IOR standards, which made them kind of skip a few comfort things, including like the cockpit. It ends up being kind of pinched in, and you'll see a lot of boats from that era having quite a pinched in stern which makes the cockpit a lot smaller. I don't mind that. The Jason 35 had a, a canoe stern as well, so I'm quite used to that. But it is it does mean we have a lot less space, especially in the aft end of the boat. Um, so that's kind of one thing that it would be nice to have a bigger aft cabin and more storage. Um, but this boat definitely is lacking a bit of storage, um, mostly because it isn't a full keel. So the water tank and fuel tank are under the settees whereas any full keel boat they're usually at least the water tanks are often in part of in the bilge um because there's more room for that so it takes away a lot of storage and that's just one of those things that i wasn't really expecting at first so it just kind of changes how you store things on board how you take up space in your boat really yeah so that's i think one of the more the things I don't like about the boat is the storage, but 
it just means we need less stuff, which is probably a good thing. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it forces you to be a bit of a more minimalist than you maybe were before. Exactly. Yeah, and I mean, I've been living on boats for a long time, so I'm pretty used to that. But I find with the bigger the boat and the more complicated systems on board, I've really gained a lot of tools over the last couple of years. And basically, the whole aft cabin is tools and like equipment and stuff. And I think that will change as we switch from going from the like rebuild stage of this boat, as we're still putting in a lot of work on the boat, to the cruising stage next year. So hopefully we can get more room out of the aft cabin soon. Well, I mean, something to consider as well where you live in the Pacific Northwest is that you kind of need more clothing as well than if you were in, say, the Caribbean, where you just need a couple of t-shirts and shorts. So there you'll need rain gear and whatever. So um, and I wanted to ask about that. Have you done anything to this boat or your previous ones to make them sort of more comfortable in the winter time? This boat didn't come with any sort of heating systems. I believe it came up from down south. I'm not really sure of it, its exact history, but we don't have a heater aboard and we lived, we just used electric heaters. We were at the dock all winter and the electric heat heaters kept it pretty toasty. We used one oil heater, two electric heaters, and basically maxed out how many amps we could use on <laughs> on that. And we did pretty good. There was a couple couple days of snow up here we we don't tend to get too much snow where we live so we did pretty good as far as temperature but it just means that as soon as we leave the dock we have no heat and we purposely have decided that we're not going to get a heater for this boat because the goal is to sail south um, to Mexico where you definitely don't need any heat so we're just saving money over here <laughs> cuddling in the blankets but um Otherwise, the biggest amount of time and energy and money, I guess, too, is I've spent a lot of time rebedding and making sure there's no leaks because any moisture on board in the winter is such a struggle to deal with. And last winter, we had a couple leaks, which I've now fixed, but it was so funny in the middle of the night, you just hear it absolutely pouring rain. And then all of a sudden, I felt I heard a change of noise and one of the port lights just gave out one night and it, all the water just started gushing in and I had to get up and put a bucket underneath it until I could go outside the next day and like cover it up and tuck tape so yeah moisture problems I find more of an issue than the temperature because we live in quite a mild climate even though it's Canada here. Yeah, I, I totally get your point on not making it too comfortable. So you'll definitely have some extra motivation to head further south. And uh, when did you say that you were hoping to go south? The goal is to go next summer, um, start working our way south. So I've had this goal for years now, like I was saying, ever since I kind of heard about Liz Clark. And when I first bought my first boat, I was like, I'm going to leave in two years. And it's now on year five. And we finally have brought that two-year time frame down to one year. And with the support of my boyfriend and us having this like common goal now, it's actually happening. And this is the boat for us. And it, it feels like it's real now instead of just being this kind of 
far far off thing. So yeah, next summer is we're lining everything up to head out probably July and August, start working our way down there. That's awesome, and it definitely helps to have two people working towards the same goal. If one feels a little down, like oh, it's never gonna happen, the other one can be there, like no, no, let's keep going. So I、yeah. can totally sympathize with that feeling. Yeah, definitely, it's been a big help, especially. I mean, to be real, just financially as well, having two people that own a boat. I was my last, my first two boats. I was financially. Just doing it by myself, and I just couldn't keep it up on a single income. It's just too much.、Um, so it, it's been really nice to have this as both of our boat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That makes sense for sure. And I actually did want to ask you because you are both adventurers in your leisure time. So what do you do for a living?、Um, mainly, I'm a commercial diver, and that's currently、um, the majority of my income. And I actually switched from a marketing career. So I was went to school, university, have a degree. I did marketing and sales for a couple of years. Really enjoy the work, but I just wasn't making enough money to be able to afford my lifestyle of sailing, and I wasn't really getting anywhere. I bought my first boat. Actually, I bought that one cash, but the second boat when I upgraded, I got some help from the bank and. My yeah, I just couldn't pay it off. It was just kind of either building even, or the debt just wasn't going away. I couldn't stay on top of it. So we were looking. Tyler was kind of pushing me. He's like, "You need a life change. You need something different." And I was looking around and came across this ad for a full time position, commercial diving, and that's something I've, I've been diving since I was thirteen, and often end up scrubbing bottoms of boats in the marina wherever I'm at. So. It kind of was a natural fit, and I started that、um, year and a half ago. Been doing it full time ever since, and it pays a lot better. And it also means that whenever I'm at, we're at a different marina. Someone sees me in dive gear, and like, hey, could you go cut this rope out of my prop, or could you clean the bottom of my boat? And it means that I can kind of be making money wherever we go, and that was a big motivator for that career change as well.、Um, so. That's my main source of income, and I also do some marketing and writing work. I write for Pacific Yachting. I work with Helly Hansen as well. That's a small bit of income, but it's still. I'm trying to change my income to be mobile, and that's been like、uh, it's taken me a couple years to get there. But with the steady bit of writing and a little bit of work with Helly Hansen, a little bit of diving, I think we can kind of keep that. Income trickling in as we untie from from our home base here. So, and then Tyler, he's uh he's just made the Canadian para snowboard team. So he's on Team Canada, and he'll he's working towards competing in the Paralympics for 2022. And he um that's his job basically. He He gets to do that all winter. Go snowboarding all winter, and then in the summer he's a skydiving coach. So he actually lost his legs skydiving, but as soon as he was able, he started skydiving again, and he's now coaching people again. And yeah, he enjoys that a lot. So that's a lot of fun too. So that's his kind of summer job. 
Yeah, that is amazing. And that definitely tells a lot about Tyler's attitude towards adventure and life in general. So that is super awesome. I'll be sure to follow him and his journey in the Paralympics. But also super cool for you that you are preparing sort of your different income streams um, for the travel and sort of more mobile lifestyle. Yeah, it's been it's been um, kind of fun, actually, to, to shift that and this this goal of mine has been really shaping my whole life for the last five years. So it, it feels good to finally be getting closer and closer and being able to be independent with that as well will will be really satisfying as soon as we leave to be able to keep going. <laughs> Not having to fly back to come to work and we'll see. We'll see what happens. I don't want to talk too soon, but the goal is to be on the boat, not flying back to come working all the time. So Yeah, exactly. Well, it sounds like you are well on your way and setting up uh, for a good lifestyle and some income coming in while you're traveling as well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. So I wanted to ask you about your liveaboard experience since you have a few years of it now. And I'm wondering, is there anything you would do differently than from what you've done? Um, Not really. I think I spent the first, I guess, two and a half years down in Victoria, which is very protected, quite mild. And that was a really good introduction to living aboard because really summer is great. It's it's easy to romanticize living on a boat and the months in summer are exactly what you romanticize really. It's fantastic. You can go out and have wine in the cockpit in the evenings and it's what why we do it, I guess. And the winter can be really tough. And in Victoria it wasn't so bad. It was just mostly rainy. We moved to Campbell River when I started doing commercial diving, and it was a bit of a wake-up call for living aboard. It became really mentally tough as well because you're leaning over on the dock. You're heeling over on the dock as if you were sailing like most of the winter because Campbell River just gets storm after storm and the southeast winds blowing through. So um, I don't know if that really – that doesn't really answer your question of – what I would do differently, but it's definitely one thing to consider is where you're going to be um, as far as living, what marina you're going to be at as far as how the weather hits it. And I don't really, I'm trying to think of something I would do differently. I guess I wish I knew moisture 
and I've learned a lot of techniques over the years of how to combat that. And actually, we we had it pretty good in here, even with the lack of heater um, this winter, just the little plug-in heaters. And I think that's like the number one th- thing I think of, of living aboard is dealing with moisture. That's like the main com- problem you need to combat. And I can, I can lay out a few tips here. Um, one of them is air movement. And even when it's freezing cold, it's always have a little bit of air coming in. And we have really good ventilation on this boat with our hatches, but also the door aid vents bring on enough airflow that it just keeps the boat from not going stale. I also installed a couple 12 volt fans and then just the the airflow from our heaters as well really helps. So heat, airflow, and then all mattresses having them propped up. So we got something called Hypervent. It's super expensive but I actually found some used for like 10 bucks which I was really happy about. But it holds your mattress up above the the surface that you have it on. So it means that some airflow can get under the mattress. Otherwise, you'll find you'll it'll be soaking wet underneath. And I, I definitely learned that one the hard way. But also drilling holes in the boards under the mattress as well. So we sleep in the V-berth, and the V-berth has a bunch of storage underneath. And so if you drill with a hole saw, some big holes, that helps add more air movement into those storage containers and also just to your mattress as well. That really helped with moisture because really the moisture is coming not only from the salty environment but from you breathing on board. So there's a big difference of living aboard a boat and just coming to use it on the weekends. You'll find you just create so much moisture at night and that's something that especially in Canada you end up battling a lot. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a big difference between uh, just cruising and being constantly on the move and perhaps you're in a warmer climate versus being in a marina in the Pacific Northwest area. And that's almost kind of made me rethink my sailing plans as well. I had originally thought that I would go and start off the West Coast, but now I'm thinking maybe I'll start on the East Coast and head south rather a a bit sooner than planned. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's one of the things we thought of too when we switched from the 35 foot. We were like, well, maybe we should just buy a boat that's all ready to go, already in Mexico. Then we don't have to deal with all these issues because it's sometimes frustrating because we end up fixing like all the leaks. And I've been rebedding things that aren't leaking, but I know they're going to leak because we live in this environment up here that's pretty harsh in the winters. Whereas if we bought the boat in Mexico, I probably wouldn't have spent a lot as much time and energy trying to make sure that absolutely everything wasn't going to leak from our relentless rain. <laughs> um, but it's just one of those things you have to do and makes me know the boat a little bit better too. So yeah, for sure. And that will be advantageous for sure as you're sailing further south to unknown waters to know your boat really well and know what might break or leak or what's already been fixed. So that's a really good um, knowledge and information to have. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And there's one thing living aboard too. I was just thinking back to your question and just thought of another thing that I wasn't, you don't really expect. And that's that and maybe this is just very prominent right now because I'm working on the boat so much, but the work on the boat never really stops. It just 
slows down. And basically, you're always living in an environment that has to be cleaned up at the end of the day. And I really enjoy that. I love boats because everything has its very exact place. And if it's not in that place, it's probably going to end up on the floor. Um, but when you're working on the boat, you've got tools and, and stuff. Everything has to be put away. And I think one of the things that I've been kind of struggling with in the last um, few months, especially as I've been putting more work on the boat, is living aboard at the same time um, as we, like, rip apart the windlass and it's up in the V-berth. And then all of a sudden I'm grinding fiberglass and fiberglass dust is now in our bed and <laughs> just stuff like that that it makes a challenge to live aboard when you have to deconstruct and and reconstruct your your um your work site each day <laughs> yeah that's definitely something that i heard i've heard from a lot of uh, sailors that i've talked to is that you will always keep doing boat work it's just you know, different magnitude, different location, mm -hmm. different amount of money required, but there will be both work. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. But um, at least try and get the tough ones out of the way while we're here. And then hopefully just more simple things just from use as we go. Exactly. Uh, do you sail in the winter there in BC or are you more in marina bound in the winter months? We chose, we choose to be marina bound. I did with spray that was the jason 35 we did do a bit of sailing in november but we tend to shut it down in november um to early spring just because it it just becomes not as enjoyable i mean it's not that we can't but we definitely um prefer the actually spring and fall are some of the best sailing around here um summer is amazing but you're not really sailing the winds aren't as strong in the summer so and then this boat doesn't have a heater however we did do a, a march trip that's probably the earliest we go out is march that's the first trip of the year and did a snowboard trip from the boat this spring so a couple of friends and i took the boat up to one of the fjords further up north and found some snow and did some snowboarding off of that. So that's kind of like my goal is to get the boat um, ready to go for March again. So usually there's a couple months that we just pack everything up and just live aboard. And Well, that's a pretty unique thing to do, to sail, to go snowboarding. And there aren't many places in the world where you can do that. So did you just uh, sail up somewhere and then hiked up a hill or and then snowboarded down? Or how did that go? Yeah, um, everywhere on the coast, the, it's not like Norway where the snow comes right down to the water. Um, but it's kind of where I got inspiration for that is the trips in Norway. There's a couple companies that run tours that you can um, ski and snowboard right from the boat. BC coast is a little bit more wild. It's a little bit more remote and the snow line's a little bit higher. So it does make it pretty tough. But yeah, basically we hiked all of our split board gear up into the snow line and then um, hiked up split boarding, snowboarded down and then packed it back and hiked down and then found our way back onto the boat. So it's a lot of logistics and it's something that takes me a lot to plan, but it's so rewarding and this past year was the first time we actually pulled it off successfully and i hope to do it again next spring but uh yeah it's it's one of those things it's like 
we live in such a cool area. Like, why not try to make it happen? Yeah, that sounds absolutely awesome. So we've talked about this liveaboard aspect, and maybe we've given out some words of warning. And I'm wondering, do you have any words of encouragement for anybody who's thinking about this、uh, lifestyle? Oh, definitely.、Um, even though I came from background of sailing and the coastal coastal living is not new to me. Living aboard full time as my own captain really was a huge learning curve for me. And I think what's cool about boats is they're pretty forgiving as long as you understand the very basics of not sinking and keeping, you know, not opening up a through haul or cracking a through haul. Or like, there's definitely some things you should learn not to do. But otherwise, like you can mess up on a boat. You may break some things. It might get expensive, but What a cool way to learn! And the more you spend time on the boat, even if you just start by living aboard at a dock, and then working your way up to taking the boat to further and further places, and there's just so much to learn, and there's always something to learn. And I think that's just that's why I do it. I love I love learning, and I love being able to fix something on the engine when it breaks. And five years ago, I could never do that, and I think that it really Sailing and cruising and living aboard really brings out a way to, I guess, better yourself, but just to be able to challenge yourself and、um, try new things. So、um, it's not all hard, but there's definitely a lot of hard moments, and I think finding joy in those hard moments as well, and being able to use them as challenges to grow yourself is one of the best ways to go about the live aboard lifestyle and. Um, you learn a lot about yourself. You mentioned something interesting there that you didn't know much about engines and such, of you know, five years ago, but now you do. And I'm curious to hear how did you learn? Did you just learn by tinkering, or did you take a course, or do you just go at it with a stack of books, or how do you approach that? I'm a bit. Of,、uh, I'm not really a tinker. I I'm getting better at it now, but really, I've I I think having a mentor is. Is one of the best things for the way I learn, anyways. And my dad's been that mentor for me, so I'm really fortunate for that. But I mean, even at this marina, there's a lot of knowledgeable people, and getting someone to help walk you through something if you need to. And then we're also in the the age of YouTube, and I've learned a lot of what through just watching videos. And then where's that book? The Nigel Calder. Boat owners, mechanical and electrical. <laughs> trying to see it. Well, it's Nigel Calder's big, massive book of everything on boats, and I spent a lot of time just like flipping through that and reading about different problems and going through manuals. But it's super overwhelming to me, especially I I didn't even really work on my car before this. I don't really know engines. I'm not super mechanically inclined. Tyler's much more mechanically inclined than I am, but that was my goal. Was I want to be able to fix everything? Like if Tyler can't put it on his legs one day, and we're sailing, and something breaks, I want to be able to fix it myself. And my dad has been super incredible of helping me learn, and not just coming and fixing my engine. He helps me learn to fix it as well. So that's been. Probably the most challenging and rewarding part of owning this boat so far, but yeah, I guess having a mentor is probably my biggest advice, whoever that may be. But 
Yeah, that's a really good piece of advice that you're so lucky to have your dad share his knowledge with you, although I'm sure it's not always easy to learn with your dad, but uh, <laughs> it's super great that he's been there for you and uh, will help you uh, become a better sailor and, and learn all these nitty gritty things that you need to know. Yeah, definitely. And yeah, it's been a really good bonding experience for us and it's a way that we can connect together and that's really sweet. Well, okay, so we got a ton of adventure and amazing scenery and fun learning projects. So we all want to follow you online. Where can we do that? Um, mostly on Instagram and YouTube. So my Instagram's from snow to sail. And Tyler's is tyturner14. And then our YouTube channel is called All About Spray Sailing. And I started documenting my journey on spray doing the refit back I guess that would have been about two to three years ago now but didn't really think much of it but then when we bought this boat we decided to put a little bit more energy into the YouTube videos and I'm on a little bit of a break right now just because life got a little hectic but we were doing every two weeks we were putting a video out so that's all about spray sailing. That's awesome. And I'll definitely link everything in the description. You guys are so great with camera. You're great at taking photos. So it is just a pleasure to browse around Instagram and look at your guys' photos. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me and share your story. I'm always so grateful for anybody who is willing to share the highs and lows of their liverboard sailing experience. So thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, well, thank you for having me. It's been it's been really great. I love talking to people that are looking into this lifestyle and sometimes I'm a little bit too like this sucks and this breaks and you have to be prepared for that. But in the end of the day, I love encouraging people as well because it is such an overwhelming sport and lifestyle. So yeah, if anyone ever has questions, I always love talking to people on Instagram or or YouTube as well, you can reach out to me. So, but uh, I'm excited to hear about about your journey too. And I'm, I'll definitely be following to see what kind of boat you guys end up with and where you end up going. So there you have it. Definitely go check out Kayleen and Tyler's Adventures Online. The links are all in the description. And since Kayleen mentioned this at the end, I can share a little update on my sailing plans as well. If you remember on Season 1, Episode 8, I interviewed John Neal, who is a boat consultant, and he helps people choose and find sailboats. And I am happy to report that Adam and I are working with John now, and we are not actually boat shopping yet, but we are looking at what kind of boats would fit our cruising plans, our budget, and all that. So. Things are slowly moving forward for us as well, and it's very exciting. Next week, it's time for a new continent, and you'll hear a little bit about sailing in Australia. So I'll see you again next Wednesday. Bye for now. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. 
United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.